Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Welcome to The Point After on WDVE Pittsburgh. Brought to you by Parks Casino. The entire Steelers radio broadcast team is here to break down the last game. Here's your host, Missy Matthews. Trubisky under center. Hands it off. Najee, stiff arm, gets to the five. Stiff arms his way into the end zone for the Pittsburgh Steelers touchdown. From seven yards out, Najee Harris, his sixth of the year, and the Steelers forge ahead on their first possession. No stiff arming here tonight on the point after, but I'm Missy Matthews with Bill Hillgrove and Craig Wolfley. We are here to talk about the Steelers' win over the Panthers, and our first segment tonight is brought to you by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits. It is a 24-16 win. The Steelers now move to 6-8, and eight, and that was the Steelers' first touchdown on their opening drive. And, uh, Wolf, you have a little stat to go along with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute. Which one? When the Steelers score first. Thank you. You know, you need you Billy. need those every now and then, a little prodding. I did take a nap this afternoon, and it's, it's begoggled me a little bit. But the fact of the matter is, it's still holding true. When the Steelers score first, they are 6-0. Uh, and oh, And when they lose, or when they, I'm sorry, yeah, they're 0-8 oh when they mm-hmm. don't score first. Jeepers. Okay, we got it right there. <laughs> Billy, it was a good day. It was a good day in Charlotte. Uh, it wasn't as warm as we would have hoped, but it was warmer than Pittsburgh. Oh, uh, yes. And uh, right now I am speaking to you from uh, sunny Syracuse, New York. Mm. <laughs> Wolf has a Syracuse sweatshirt on tonight for you. Oh, my. I tell you what. Um, I know it's uh, – how far is Syracuse from Orchard Park? A couple of hours? Yeah, about two and a half hours, Billy. Two and a half. Well, you know, that's a long way to go on a snowy night to get a Palmer pie. <laughs> it's a bit far. Yes, you know, it I'm, is. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold up, I think. You know, I, I think what I saw, first of all, Larry Ogunjobi back home, uh, he set a tone with the first play on that toss. And then, uh, you know, that tip pass on the third down – and all of a sudden, the Steelers had the ball. Keep it seven minutes. Get it back after they tied the game. And you keep it almost. And I think there is where they won the game. In the trenches. No doubt about it. They beat them up both ways. Max Starks is joining us as well tonight here on The Point After. And uh, Max, I, I'm sure you could go along with what Billy's saying, especially coming um, from an O-line perspective and what that group was able to accomplish yesterday. No, it was it was definitely a complete c- c- control of the trenches, offensively, defensively, both lines 
really led the way for the rest of, of their units. Um, defensive line kept linebackers clean to make plays and safeties coming up and playing. You know, Terrell Edmonds also played big doing some box linebacker stuff from the safety position out of nickel. Um, and also, you know, the big bodies, Trent Scott, right? Six man <laughs> off the bench mm-hmm. uh, coming in and providing some of the jumbo package or the Primanti package, um, <laughs> you know, a- aspect of it. And, and it was it was fun to see, you know, the group just line up in a big personnel and not try and fool you too many times now, even though we did have that one jet sweep, one short yardage. Um, but come up and run the ball. Say, listen, we're lining up here big. And we're even going to motion Dan Moore over a couple times from the tackle position. And we're going to run. And we're going to try and hit you in the mouth. And I thought that was kind of a mentality type of statement that they started early and then it just kept progressing throughout the game. Billy, the thing I really liked about what Max is saying in that physicality is that was a big sticking point last week from the loss of the Ravens. We talked about just how physical the Ravens were, especially their defense and the Steelers not being able to match it. Sure, it helps when you score first and you play with the lead and you get things going, but that does set a tone on both sides of the ball and something that I think also helps with their confidence. And I think that's how you beat the Ravens. Get a lead on them because they're not built to come back. And um, that's exactly what the Browns were able to do. It's something we weren't able to do. But, um, you know, I I agree with Bob Labriola, his column today about the fact that, okay, this hasn't been the best season uh, but what we saw in Carolina last or yesterday may be a glimpse of the future, especially the short-term future. All right, it doesn't look bright. It doesn't look like a playoff situation. But if you keep winning, you never know. Well, if to get technical here with the O-line, what were some of the things that they were doing and why were they so successful? Well, one of the things that you do when you get a hat on a hat and a body on a body, then you start getting two bodies on one hat. And then you get four hands on one hat, and then they just <laughs> the it math kept is coming in. That, yes, my math <laughs> skills are now like uh, just overwhelming me. Um, but it, you know, it's all about moving people, and it really that's what it was. They moved guys from A to B. Sometimes they went to D, you know, without even checking in at C. Uh, I really enjoyed watching them because you didn't see too many guys making penetration uh, like it was earlier in the year. You saw guys being able to move guys backwards at a level where you get the linebackers bumping into the big guys up front of them. And when you do that, everything gets simple. You know, if you just keep from having guys penetrate on that offensive line and you keep your feet moving and stay engaged with them, you're going to get some good movement. And that's what they did do. They just kept at it and they were steady and all throughout all four quarters, able to battle away and and keep guys, uh, you know, moving backwards or at least battling like crazy to hold their spot and that's where it's at max what did you see from Najee harris and jalen warren to kind of play off the o-line and then what they were able to do on the ground trust trust was what i saw out of Najee and out of jalen trust in that if they run their track more often than not good things are going to happen right bodies are going to be on bodies there's no free hitters they're not getting first contact in the backfield they had a trust in the offensive line that they were going to get to the line of scrimmage or better every time they touched the football. So when you have that trust, it 
permeates, and you could see the confidence of running. I mean, capped off by that by by that touchdown run, right? I mean, right. You know, by Najee, he he, he was looking. He was so mad he didn't have enough contact that he was going and trying to search it out. You know, <laughs> he wanted, the story. Like, like run to the pylon for the touchdown. He looks inside. Oh, there's a guy. I'm going to run towards him and try and stiff arm him into the ground. You know, I I want to guard. I want to have a gardening lesson in the middle of this game. You know, how, how to how to plant a bush. You know, I mean, it was it was one of those things that you could see that, and, and that's infectious, and that's an offensive line brings that out of guys right it, it, it's that it's, it's that mentality like you know you know not for lack of better words you know when a shorter guy comes in the club and he, ha- he has five big buddies behind him they're all <laughs> bigger than him you know he's going to talk a little bit more reckless than the guy <laughs> than the guy that's there by himself and i think that's kind of what it is and, and, and i say that in jest but i mean but that's how you have to kind of be you have to have that personality if your offensive line gives you that personality take it run with it and Najee and jalen both did that I like the trust factor you were talking about. That's something that I think we also saw between Deontay Johnson and Mitch Trubisky. Both guys sort of talked about it post game and just how locked in they were this week preparing. Um, and Mitch even said, quite frankly, you know, on third downs, we knew if we got what we wanted, we were going to go to Deontay. And Billy, I think for somebody who has still yet to score a touchdown, uh, I was joking on the sideline with Max and Alec from the Steelers video staff that how poetic on that ridiculous 21 play drive if it would have ended in an 18 touchdown for Deontay Um, but it just felt like yesterday was that game 10 targets 10 catches almost over 100 yards and a lot of those were key third down situations and what I noticed on a couple of the outs when I watched the replays today and a couple of the screens the devastating blocking I mean it was physical even out on the flank boy that's a feather in the cap when you can uh, do the blocking inside in the tackle box and then knock people over out on the flank. Uh, and I think that's what we did yesterday. And, uh, I, you know, the Steelers just hit them in the mouth and they didn't know uh, what hit them because you know, early and I, early in the game, Wolf and I talked about it. It looked like uh, anything but the preview of the game. It looked like the two teams put on each other's uniforms because they were supposed to be the physical run game. They were supposed to be able to stop the run. And uh, the Steelers uh, took that away from them. You know, it just shows you what you can do with a thick face and a black heart. You know, (laughs) immune to criticism, ask no quarter, give no quarter. That's what they did yesterday. Well, and it was one thing. I mean, James Daniel out on that Jalen Warren screen literally blocked a guy twice. He came around (laughs) to the front side, pushed him, then did a circle about around him and then Superman pushed him out of bounds like the second time around. I mean, it was so, so when you're talking about that, Billy, it was, it was absolute devastating blocking on the outside edges. When you're seeing the linemen get out lead block receivers. I mean, Miles Boykin had a couple of really big blocks on the mm-hmm. edge, especially on that Steven Sims swing uh, on the, on the jet sweep had a great seal block to get, to get pop Steve Sims to the sideline. So everybody was locked in and bought in on the process of creating that pressure offensively on the ground, and they knew that it needed all 11 guys involved for it to be successful, and and it was. In terms of just what this can do for a team, Wolf, I know when they had their winning streak, it was two games, but they stacked them. We talked about what can you carry over. It didn't work out, but what is something tangible that they can carry over from this performance 
a bit of a short week, just one day, as they get ready to face the Raiders on Saturday. Looking back to what they know that they can't, they are capable of doing. I mean, when you out Carolina, Carolina at the thing that they were doing <laughs> to others, you know that's mm-hmm. that's amazing. You know, when you can take their game and they went as Mac Max was calling it the Primanti's package, you know, with slaw and fries <laughs> and everything else. They may have the meats, but we got the Primanti's package, right, Max? So that's right. We, we got the accessories. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have the accessories. And they did such a good job of doing it. And you know, when Trent Scott came in, you got the six twelve, you got the Fryer Muth, you got Connor Hayward, you got Miles Boykin came in and did some good things. You know, even George Pickens, George Pickens got in some good licks on, on blocks too. The fact of the matter was everybody was playing at a much more physical level. They were extending themselves in ways that well, sometimes you get in a rut and you're just not you, – you don't see yourself doing the things that you used to do to be – to make sure that you are spot on for the game. And maybe they, re, you know, kind of refired a few of those things. All I know is they entered that game with more, um, you know, RPMs in their noggin. You do that, not everybody goes into the game with the same amount of RPMs week in, week out. You'll have people that are up and down and they kind of get a little on the emotional side. But the fact is – you got to make sure that you are like spot on in your mental, physical preparation as you prepare for what you have to encounter. And a lot of that has to do with just, you know, the mental work and the, you know, making sure you're up on all your film study. In his postgame remarks, TJ said there was a lot of energy in the Steelers' practices this week, right. especially Friday's package. And a little birdie tells me that uh, that Friday practice uh, was more than energy. Uh, there was some chippiness on the field. And we'll they happen. put that into Sunday, and I think that's a good thing. And I believe they also put on pads earlier in the week last week as well. So, <laughs> th- you know, that'll do it for anybody. <laughs> that's the old Chuck Knoll method. Billy, Word up! <laughs> <laughs> Billy, another game, another catch that George Pickens makes that, you know, brings excitement to the game. Um, not as many targets yesterday, but what did you see from the rookie? Well, that catch, uh, it mystified me. Uh, I'm not going to try to compare it to maybe another player, uh, but uh, he mossified that defensive back. Uh, To be able to, you know, and he was probably, you know, at his top speed when he hit that sideline, and he had to reach up with both hands above his helmet and snare that ball. And uh, I just thought it was an incredible catch. And I think he's, you know, he's very capable of making more like that. And I know people want to know, uh, why don't they target him more? But, uh, you know, I, I like what I saw yesterday. I, you know, the people, I even heard somebody after the game say, well, where was Fryer move? Well, I think, you know, Pat's kind of, he's banged up a little bit. And I think Connor Hayward got some of his snaps. Well, I think, I think also George has earned an opportunity um to get a couple more because like you said he's he's gone out there and he's made some of those splashy plays downfield where you needed a vertical threat or a vertical big play to kind of get everybody ignited he's kind of been that guy throughout the season now i know he's not a consistent thing because you know he's still gonna have to get a little bit better with going across the middle being a little bit safe he did have a little bit of case of the alligator arms yesterday on one of the third downs he kind of short hopped it because he saw he, he felt that safety closing in on him and, um, you know, those are things he's going to have to work through. I mean, he's a rookie. But, you know, you don't want to lose the essence of him. He is your deep threat. Once you kind of lull, you get guys to back to, to kind of bunch up in, 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 the, uh, in the middle of the field and get closer to the line of scrimmage, and you see that single high or no high safeties, 
that's when he's that's when he, that's when he's at his best. So you must stay two dimensional to keep him involved. And I think because of that, that's why he got the five targets was because we were so involved with the run game and we were so balanced that they couldn't they couldn't play zone consistently. And so they were good when they played zone, but because of because of their vulnerability up front and their front seven, they couldn't sustain that. So they had to keep dropping the eighth guy in the box and then leaving the safety up top. Jeremy Chin had a career day <laughs> tackling and running around the field trying to hit people because the offensive line was doing their job and blocking up the D-line and the, and the linebackers. All right, we have much more to talk about from the Steelers' 24-16 to win over the Panthers in Charlotte. You're listening to The Point After. We'll be right back here on DVE. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Back to the point after. Brought to you by Parks Casino on DVE. I just thought he managed it well. Um, I thought he kept the ball off the ground and played clean, had a high completion percentage. And But it's easier to do those things when you're, when you're playing behind an effective run game. Can't say enough about our big dudes up front and, and, and how they controlled it. That was Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin responding to a question after the Steelers' 24-16 win about quarterback Mitch Trubisky filling in for Kenny Pickett, who is in the concussion protocol. Mitch Trubisky was 17 of 22 for 179 yards, no touchdowns, and was 12 of 16 on third downs. Our segment now is brought to you by the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank and Don's Appliance. For every field goal we kick this season, Don's Appliance will donate $1,000 to the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. That's 5,000 meals each time. Thank you to Don's Appliance. You can help and donate too by texting GOALS to 50155. Missy Matthews, Bill Hillgrove, Craig Wolfley, and Max Starkson. Um, Billy, we'll start with you in terms of what Mitch was able to do. What did you see from him in terms of bouncing back from the Ravens game to yesterday? To quote uh, Coach Tomlin, he managed the situation well. Um, And I understand that... uh, in practice all week long, uh, he worked very hard at, uh, you know, doing the right thing in the right instance. Uh, he concentrated on it because he knew he was going to start, uh, which is far different than, you know, being asked to come off the bench and go in for somebody who's been knocked out of the game. I'm going to bring a smile to Max and to Wolf's face. I think one of the stats that's kind of been overlooked in all this, one sack. Absolutely, okay. but let me say that's this, Billy. That's a tribute to the guys up front, but it's also a tribute to Mitch, who you know stayed out of those situations where you get sacked. Let me just say this: you really disappointed me because I thought you were going to talk some 
Christmas cookies here. I mean, come on. Come on, buddy. That would have put a real smile on me and Max's face. But the second biggest smile is <laughs> because, you know, the only sacks we want to hear about this Christmas season is the ones with gifts and food in it. So the fact yep. that we're not hearing about it on the field, that's always a good sign. You're right, Bill. That was that was that was a sign of a great run game. It was effective. The play action did what it was supposed to do. Guys weren't peeing in on Mitch the entire time. They were looking for the handoff first and then having to readjust for Mitch, which gave guys a little bit extra time in situations. And then, of course, took something off of the pass rush on third downs because they were too busy getting hit on first and second down from the run game. So it was it was a, it was a good overall game uh, for the offensive line, both in the air and on the ground. It kept the blitzers and, you know, the guys like Chen Thompson, Woods, it kept them from banging their ears back and running hard. That was a John Major saying mm -hmm. uh, from back in the day. Uh, they couldn't because they had to worry about the run. No doubt about it. You know, the thing about it, uh, Billy, is when you make them have to go through their run keys to their pass keys, it just slows everything down. And you're both right. You know, I mean, it's – the physicality and the nature of how you went about it with a little ground and pound. And sometimes, in the you know, you notice the chippiness factor got up there a little bit, right? How nice is it? How nice was it, Max, when you got under the skin of the guy you're playing against so that he'd be spending all his time wanting to put a whack on you? And he's not, he's not even sniffing the quarterback. He's not even really mm -hmm. worrying about the running back because he's so enraged by what you've done or, or haven't done, but when the things that you, you guys are doing, you know, in the interim. <clears throat> sorry, I was taking a. <laughs> sorry. Oh no! Oh, Arms up! Don't oh, choke. Yeah. I know. I overfilled my water bottle. Hey Max, back, so sorry. Max, can I ask a question? Down. What proof is that? Uh, <laughs> one and a half proof. <laughs> Polar. Actually, it was icy. Um, but uh, but no. I mean, I mean that 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 that's exactly what it is. And, and you saw that chippiness, you know, especially between Mason Cole. And and um, Derek Brown. I mean, right. that was that was extracurricular, and then after school, and plus detention, all combined <laughs> into one. <laughs> he was so enamored, he didn't even know who the quarterback was. I think at one point, I mean, he knew who Najee Harris was because obviously the history between Auburn and Alabama. Uh, but I don't, th I don't think he knew who Mitch was um, in the midst of it. But you know, Kevin Dotson, James Daniels, Mason Cole, that trio in the middle did a really good job of just beating up on the defensive line, especially their D tackles, because that was one of the things that they had done well in those previous three victories. Mm. They had compressed the pocket from the inside out, which, which forced things to Brian Burns and company and allowed those outside guys to kind of feast on sacks. So not having that, allowing Mitch that opportunity to step up, even when there was some pressure off the edge on bull rushes, it, it didn't bother him at all. It didn't phase him, kept his eyes downfield. He didn't have to run for his life. Uh, he was able to stand and deliver those passes to Deontay and company on those third downs on the way to 12 to 16. Billy, let's go back to the start of the third quarter. The Steelers get the ball and they have struggled uh, in the previous games of getting things going, especially in the second half. But 21 plays, 91 yards, 11 minutes and 43 seconds. It was getting so close that it was like, are they going to score this touchdown in the third quarter? Or is this drive going to keep going? Um, what did you make of what they were able to do there despite some adversity with the penalties? Well, uh, to Mike Tomlin's point, uh, they converted a third and one. 
Uh, they converted a th and early in the drive, they converted a third and 10 with that uh, 12 yard out to DJ. Uh, you know, you know, converting third downs is what it's all about in the long run. And uh, you saw what the numbers were. They were very diverse. And uh, I tell you what, I understand that uh, that uh, ground game defense of theirs was their worst since 2012. Did I did I see that correctly? I couldn't tell you right off the top of my very flat head here. <laughs> But, you know, that, that drive, again, just set the tone. And, you know, it's too bad that those two sacks were wasted by that, uh, you know, uh, penalty. I won't, I won't address anything more about it. But it, it was not it, – it just didn't belong. You know, and I understand Cam uh, uh, dressed Marcus Allen down pretty well on the sideline, as well he should. Because, you know, those guys are out working hard – uh, trying to get after Sam Darnold, and they did twice in a row, and then all of a sudden you get a first down. And here I am on the air saying, well, wait a minute, they needed 27, we're only giving them 15. And I forgot about the automatic part of that unsportsmanlike. You'll have that on big jobs like that, my friend. You know, <laughs> the point is, and, and I will say this, uh, you know, Marcus, he, he knows. You know, he, he knows you messed up. And the same thing for Deontay. Um, and, you know, the powers that be, they'll take care of it. But I, I was just sitting talking with Missy earlier going, you know how it is, Max, on the field. You know, it is, it's, you get the emotions and everything else running hot. And then, you know, you, you know, you should walk away from a, a, a something that's incurring and everything in you is telling you to walk away. And suddenly you find yourself punching the guy, you know, and it's like, uh oh. <laughs> but it's almost like you, you couldn't help yourself. You know, it's just a matter. You got to make sure that you stay in control and that you are always, over and above, you know, that, that emotional reaction. But, Hello? Uh, I've had that before. Hello, are you there? Was that Max I heard? I don't know. We're, we're getting confused here. Max? Hello, welcome to the point after. Okay. All right, we're gonna we're gonna hang tight with Max in just a little bit. Um, <laughs> now, I'll, let me make this point before we take the break. Yeah, no, we're good. You we still have a few you minutes. You can't get a penalty for pointing at the scoreboard, right? And that's exactly in that situation what you do. You know, and you're right, Billy. And I'll tell you this: I have thought that same thing right before I punched somebody, <laughs> <laughs> and then I paid the price for it after. I'm sorry. You know, it's one of those things that you just runs through your head. And then all of a sudden, it's like something takes over your body, and then you do the very thing that you know you shouldn't do. Uh, and I, I think that happens off the field, too. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, going back to the 21 uh, play touchdown drive, I think this is where you were going. It was the second longest in the NFL since 2001. And wow. the only one that was longer than that, get this, was in 2007 when New Orleans had a 24-play drive. It was actually against Carolina, but that one resulted in a blocked field goal. So not the success the Steelers had. And Wolf and I were talking about this earlier on a different show, but I think we feel a lot different about that drive if it did not result in a touchdown. No, no doubt about it. And uh, that's why you had to be very happy. Uh, because, uh, you know, Mitch got his chance to go over the top mm -hmm. and uh, get his second rushing touchdown. And, uh, you know, a 14-point lead at that point in the game, it took a lot of starch out of them, and uh, the penalty kind of fired him up. But uh, it's that's water over the dam. 
uh, I think at that point the Carolina Panthers knew that they uh, were in for a long afternoon. No doubt. And like you said, their, the, the Marcus Allen penalty, things started to snowball, but they were able to keep their composure, keep things within reach, and eventually get it to the point where at the end of the game, it was not like previous games, Wolf, where the Steelers were able to control the ball as much as they needed to, to not let the other team have enough time to even do anything that would remotely bring them back in. There's no question about it. I mean, the beauty in, in that, that was a spirit-snatching drive that they came out in the third quarter and being able to take the very thing, you know, 15 runs. Think about that, 15 runs, and and you only had six passes. and Well, six or seven, I think, Mitch was on that last one. But anyhow, regardless, it, it's the very thing that Carolina wanted to do to you, and you're doing that to them. And it just was such a great way to, to extend that whole quarter and come out and really stamp the physicality factor uh, uh, offensively, and your defense is relaxing the entire time. I mean, they're sitting back there, they're chilling, they're rooting for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to. I remember when you know Gary Dunn said, "Hey, I'll have a Gatorade waiting on you. <laughs> go, go do something." You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, belly up to the the Gatorade table there. But you know, that's exactly how complimentary football comes around, and why it's such a great team game. And the thing about these guys that I really loved was. Everybody showed after the last couple of games where, you know, you, you got scorched by the run a little bit. All these guys showed that their ability to stay in there, no one taps out, no one quits, no one gets, you know, really depressed and, and, and down and stuff like that. They keep fighting and you keep fighting. And that's what it's about because winning and Steelers football is all about winning. There you have it. And there you are. <laughs> Uh, also- oh, you remember, don't you? What's that, Billy? You remember a longer drive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in Houston. <laughs> now, it wasn't as long as the 24-play drive of the New Orleans Saints, but it was a 23-play drive, and it did go almost 13 minutes. And I do remember as we fell to the ground yet one more time on the 22nd play before we scored, rising to my feet with the Houston Oiler guy that I was playing against, we were both exhausted, and we were both <laughs> – you know, just stand, barely standing. And I remember he turned to me and he said, "Look, either you guys got to score, or you got to fumble, but we got to get off the field." <laughs> that was it. And definitely, all of the offensive line in the Steelers locker room yesterday uh, said how it was exhausting, but they were glad how it happened. Even Mitch said after the game, "You know, I was tired. I can only imagine what the guys up front were feeling exactly it." So. And- None of them could remember ever being parted any level of football, a drive that was that long. I can only tell you this. You know, the thing about it was in the Houston Astrodome, they had all that smoke, as I've talked about. With the, mm-hmm. They used to let a lot of smoking in there. The only thing I smelled in Carolina was barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> and crispy greens. They converted five third downs. Three of them were two, one, and one to go. And, you know. That that win on first down is so important, and that's what the run game does. Yep. All right, we're going to take one more quick break here on the point after when we return. Let's talk about the Steelers' defense and two homecomings for that side of the ball yesterday in Carolina. We'll be right back. You're listening to WDVE. Welcome back to The Point After, everybody. Our third and final segment is brought to you by Clearview Federal Credit Union. For every turnover the black and gold create in 2022, Clearview Federal Credit Union will donate $500 to the Light of Life Rescue Mission. Clearview helping people to enjoy a better life. 
Visit clearviewfcu.org slash touchdown. And speaking of creating turnovers, a homecoming of sorts for Alex Highsmith and Larry Ogunjobi. But there you just heard Billy's call of Highsmith's sack. One sack, a tackle for loss, and a forced fumble on the day. And Billy, I think he said there was about 50 to 60 people uh, that he had to get tickets for yesterday. Yeah, he looked like a happy camper when I saw him on the way to the buses after the game. Uh, yeah, it was it was huge, and it was kind of neat. You know, the hotel we stayed at on their campus, and we could see the stadium where both he and Larry Ogunjobi played. So it was kind of kind of neat. You know, it was funny because I I was I was telling this uh, or talking it over with Max this morning, but I was walking in the back area of you know in the where the players area is you know in the hotel, and I just saw him sitting there, and he was just kind of like. Kind of a little like contemplative, you know, and I said, what you thinking? And it was just funny because, you know, here he is in the very place he wanted to be when he was here as a collegiate guy. Mm -hmm. He wanted to be a pro football player. God gave him that ability. He used it. He got here and he was kind of reflecting on it. It was really cool. And he just smiled. He said, I'm grateful, man. Just grateful to be here. And I thought, what a great attitude. And went out and he played the game. He got a sack. He got a forced fumble. He got a great tackle for loss when he came on the backside of that counter trap and ran down the back from behind. Um, you know, and then throw in a handful of tackles too. So the young man, I'll tell you what, I personally, I think he should be in the Pro Bowl. I don't I think he's having a Pro Bowl year. Well, let me throw some numbers behind to support what you're saying, because I agree as well. 11 sacks, as Billy said in the call, that's tied for fourth in the NFL. That was his fifth forced fumble. That's first in the NFL. That's Whoa, pretty good stuff. How about mm-hmm. Wow. And, you know, yeah. looking at the defense and what they were able to do yesterday, I think health had something to do with it. You know, you finally get T.J. Watt and, and Alex both healthy, and, and, and the, you know, havoc they can wreak. And, and I think, you know, the interior guys did a good job. Leal did a good job. I'll tell you who had a pretty good game was Devin Bush. Yes, he did. Yeah, I agree. De- Devin played big when you thought Miles Jack is going to be out of this game, right? He's ruled doubtful on Friday. Um, you're going into this game and you're like, okay, Robert Spillane's going to be in. And then we're going to address Mark Robinson for the first time this year. So you're like, okay, well, who's going to pick up the slack? Because Miles Jack was that leader of that trio. And Devin Bush simply said, I'm next. Put my hand up in there. I'll take it, Coach. Give me the green dot. Let me go out there and let me be a difference maker. And you saw Devin, you saw glimpses of what we saw his rookie year. You saw glimpses of of before that knee injury, him forcing, hitting, blowing up snaps, right? Running backs, fullbacks coming to that area and just blowing guys up. You know, Cade Mays, it's still beyond me why he kept running like a wide outside zone with a (laughs) 325-pound offensive lineman. That's beyond me. But you know what? Thank you. Thank you, Carol, for doing that. Glad you didn't run ISO lead up to A-gap. But because of that, it played into Dem's strengths where Devin could scrape off the edge, right? He could come off the edge in between that that offensive fullback. I think that's the best way to call him. And – and the tight end trying to block, and you blew up the plays. And then leading in, leading in the hole in the A-gaps, and then also in coverage, dropping back into that little short hook zone because we knew that was one of the things that Sam Darnold liked to attempt to do was keep throwing the tight ends. And let's face it, those tight ends can't catch. Um, so he provided that blanket of security and played like the guy we expected him to be, like the first rounder we drafted him to be. 
I think, too, especially, you know, Coach talked about in postgame, we got bigs on bigs knowing that this was a team that liked to run the ball, that a whole Arby's package, you know, Permanis is better. Um, <laughs> but yeah. we also saw, you know, DeMarvin Leal, who was on IR not too long ago. He's been he was involved a lot yesterday and even Isaiah Loudermilk. And it was just, you know, that nasty attitude that probably started with Cam Hayward and Larry Ogunjobi in the middle, and it just it, it worked for them yesterday. It permeates. It 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 goes throughout the the entire trench group of guys that are down there doing battle. And when you have a guy like Cam leading the way, Captain Cam's just you know one of those guys that you you see what he the intensity he brings. You want to match it. You want to be part of it. And I thought, you know, just we talked about Mark Robinson. Mark Robinson mm-hmm. had a moment. I remember the one they ran an inside zone. He came downhill and he created his own uh, cleanup on aisle five pile up. <laughs> I mean, he went he went down and pow, he hit the the mass of legs that were coming and he created a pile up there. And that's exactly what you want. And you got DeMarvin Leal, who I I really enjoy calling Wreck It Ralph because the guy is capable. <laughs> like he doesn't know exactly what's going on all the time, but he'll just find a warm body and hit it. You know, I mean, let me just like light somebody. That. I do like that. Mm-hmm. That's that's a basic ingredient and tenet of being a defensive lineman. And we yeah, should. The pig who, oh, sorry. No, go, Max. Go ahead. I was going to say, and the pig who thra- who thrashes about the most usually gets the most slop in the trough. I mean, <laughs> so. Max, you're bringing your A game tonight. Yes, he is. <laughs> you know what was, I like? Was that, was that Billy? No, I, I was just going to make another point. And we've talked about the players on the field, uh, but uh, Jack, your leading tackler, can't go. Uh, Spillane takes his place, and he's the leading tackler. Mm-hmm. I think it speaks to the system that uh, Terrell Austin employed, and the players paid attention. I was going to give a shout-out to T.J. Watt, uh, appearing in his 84th game yesterday of his career, third fastest player to reach 75 sacks. He actually got up to 76 as the game went on, but only Reggie White and his brother J.J. Watt did it faster than him. And, man, if T.J. was not hurt this season, he would have he would have definitely beat his brother. And you know how brothers are. I'm sure that yep. would have been a text, hey, I beat you. No doubt about it. But let me just say this. I said it to Max this morning because the great Reggie White did it in 65 games. Oh, yeah. That's, All right? you, no one's catching that. Well, let me just put this out there, too. In six head-to-head encounters, Tunch Ilkin, Reggie White, sacks on Tunch, Zippo. Ooh. He never gave up a sack to the great. And I... I have all the respect in the world for Reggie. He was just an awesome player. But I, I just have to throw that out about, out about our brother there, you know? We like that. That's yes. a good fun fact, What? It is. It is. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, 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 I mean, and when you think about the effect, you know, even though TJ was playing through the ribs and we all, re, you know, we all remember talking about that Atlanta game, right? When he when when he went when he when he sold out and, and left right. for the for the tackle and drug the dude down and fell right on his rib cage, when he came to sidelines doubled over, like the amount of massive pain that he's playing through, um, to even get to this point to be number three on the list, I mean it it, fe- it feels like he's tied with his brother because of the amount of pain he's played through to get to that point and to get to this milestone, uh, he's overcome a lot of injuries and a lot of adversity to make that. So I mean extra kudos to TJ for that for that accomplishment. 
Well, and just for everybody listening and for you guys, I don't, I told Wolf during the commercial break, uh, TJ is featured right now on Steelers.com. The team announced uh, just a bit ago that they're wearing throwback jerseys for Christmas Eve against the Oakland Raiders. They'll have a 50th anniversary patch for the celebration of the Immaculate Reception and also the block letters and numbers. So yeah. it's probably tre- trending on social media because fans uh, love those. This will be the third time the Steelers have won that particular throwback jersey they did it in 2018 and 2019 and 2-0 in them gotta love it and i think it's a great thing to to do when coming up here christmas eve to do that uh, you know with, with the uh, you know with the immaculate reception you know it was funny because what i learned from franco when i saw him the other day he came up and i think i told this before mm-hmm. but the funniest thing that i never knew about the immaculate reception was that when he and at the uh, as as the play actually happened at home in New Jersey, his mom had Eva Eva Maria playing on the <laughs> on the stereo. I mean, it's unbelievable. You got Eva Maria playing as yeah. the immaculate reception is going down in Pittsburgh. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I would say this: Will they feature the baggy shoulders <laughs> <laughs> from the Jersey? Like extra long, like to the elbow, you know, the old school. Or is it still going to be trimmed with blood letters or spell? You're going to have to wait and see. (laughs) All right. Well, you can get some of the Immaculate Reception collection at the Steelers Pro Shop, where you can gear up with your latest sideline apparel, hats, and jerseys of your favorite players, authentic memorabilia, custom items, and exclusives you can find only directly from the team at the official Steelers Pro Shops located at Acrisure Stadium, Grove City Premium Outlets, Tanger Outlets, or Shop online at shop.steelers.com. All right, guys, thanks so much for joining me. That is The Point After here on DBE. Thanks to our producer, Tom, for getting us through the night. We'll see you guys next Monday. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.